Blog Talk Radio. Imagination is everything. I can't remember who wrote those three words in that order, but it seems he summed up it all. Imagination is everything. Our lives will reflect the way we use our imagination. The child imagines himself walking like the adults he sees above him. As soon as he can walk, he wants to run. As we reach successive plateaus in life, we begin to imagine ourselves reaching the next one. And thus our imaginations lead us on from one idea to another through every day and every year of our lives. But if we're not careful, our imaginations can lead us into mazes of confused complications from which we may find it difficult to extricate ourselves. So it's a good idea, as we use our imagination, to always strive for simplicity, to avoid the complicated. Remember the three main departments of living, family, how we spend our days, work and leisure, and income. If we're wise, we'll work toward keeping each as uncomplicated as possible, as interesting and as rewarding as possible, but at the same time, simple and straightforward. Are we living the lives we want to live, or are we living stereotyped lives based on phony values? Usually, they're a combination of both, a kind of compromise which says surely other people must have some idea of what constitutes the good life. After all, there are so many of them. But when we look closer, we see that they're living shadow lives, as Mumford calls them. In competition, ice skating, you've seen a couple match each other's movements almost perfectly. It's called shadow skating, I believe. They try to match each other's movements so perfectly that each might be the other's shadow. In any sort of neighborhood, you will tend to find people living much the same way. Their homes, landscaping, furnishings, and lives are typified, if by anything at all, by an almost total lack of imagination. Imagination, like anything else, needs fuel for production. You can't have something from nothing. Thomas Edison said, I'm a sponge. I want to know the answer to everything. With his great lifetime inventory of information, he could assemble an incredible array of new combinations and permutations. Electric light is a combination of elements, and so is any good idea, or any bad idea for that matter. Most of us make the mistake of not asking why. Why do I live here, in this house, rather than in some other house? Why this life, instead of another life? Why this work, instead of other work? Why these rewards, instead of others? Now, this doesn't mean we'll change anything necessarily, but at least we'll be living lives that have been examined and found to be to our personal liking. We'll know that we're not living the lives we're living simply because they reflect and are pretty much composite copies of the lives we see about us. There should be, to my way of thinking, deep main currents in our lives. Our family lives, our work, and our leisure, and our rewards in the form of income. Our family lives should be good and richly satisfying. What is our input here? How are we using our imaginations to bring meaning, charm, and love to our family relationships? It's an ongoing process that should become richer and more meaningful with the passing of time. As we grow older, we should come to love each other more instead of it being the other way around. Imagination can bring this about. Making allowances for unmanageable neuroses or even psychoses that may crop up. I've often thought of producing appointment calendars with weekly reminders that we should think of something interesting to do for those we love to let them know we don't take them for granted. A dinner out, a weekend trip, flowers, a card, a phone call, a gift. Maybe nothing more than a big hug in the words, I love you very much. The five most important words in the language when arranged in that order. Or planning a really interesting vacation six or eight months in advance and instead of waiting until the last minute and finding yourself with nothing very interesting to do. How about your home? Is it what you want? 
H.L. Mencken once commented that the average home is a house of horrors and doesn't reflect poor taste so much as it reflects no taste at all. People tend to order their steaks medium and their homes and lives the same way. Medium rhymes with tedium. The family is the most important part of the life of most of us. What good is accomplishment if there's no one with whom to share it? What good is anything if there's no one with whom to share it? And since the family is first in importance, it represents a fertile field for the imagination, not just for the woman in the family, but for the man, and hopefully the kids as well. Family creative thinking sessions are a lot of fun and a never-ending source of good ideas. Check every idea for basic simplicity. Avoid complication whenever possible. Next, imagination as it applies to the way we spend our days, our work, and our leisure. Let's take them in order. No matter what it is we want, if it's within the realm of reality, we can get it through imagination applied to our work. Nothing now being done by man is being done the way it can and will be. Everything will be done much better. Not can be, will be. Whether it's the result of our applied imagination or not. People who resist change in their work are impediments to progress, yet the first words the new person on the job usually hears are, now this is the way it's done around here. A business leader made the comment that if we're doing anything this year the way it was done last year, we're obsolete. Now that's an extreme generalization, but deserves careful attention. In most things, it's true. Now while getting new ideas in business is usually the best way to guarantee unpopularity, it's still the only way to renewal and growth. People resist new ideas from the top to the bottom of an organization, especially if it's an older organization. Championing a new idea is a lonely business. But if you believe it's a good idea, if your research causes you to believe it will be of significant benefit, and the costs and disruption necessary to test the idea are not completely out of line with its ultimate benefits, then fight it through. Do it as diplomatically as you can, make as few enemies as possible. But fight it through if you believe in it. The object of management is not to be loved by the people in the organization. It's to make things happen most profitably for all concerned, particularly the customer. People historically have stood in the way of virtually every good idea, and especially if it isn't theirs. Your good ideas can lead to your dismissal from an organization. But ideas are more important than a job. With good ideas, you have independence. There's always a way to succeed. A friend of mine found he couldn't get his ideas through the board of directors. He resigned, and beginning at about the age of 60, he built a $300 million a year business on his rejected ideas. Walt Disney used to ask 10 people what they thought of a new idea. If they were unanimous in their rejection of it, he would begin working on it immediately. Our world today consists of thousands of things people once thought were impossible. How many good ideas have you followed through to completion in your work during the past year? A business whose very beginning and success were based on innovative imagination will become a model of stodgy convention with a few years of good profits. Ask yourself, what business am I in? What is its purpose? How does it contribute to the well-being of mankind? And how can I make it better? Not how can we produce more necessarily, we have almost overproduced ourselves into a world junk pile. In trying to produce more and more, many businesses have lost sight of real quality. Quantity became the god, with a small increment of profit on mountain ranges of units, gadgets, shiny junk that fell apart when the purchaser got it home, knobs that broke or fell off, buttons that came off, toys that couldn't stand the strain of being unwrapped, towering mountain ranges of shiny, worthless junk 
none of it worth our time, let alone our money. There's a rapidly growing avant-garde that will one day represent the majority of the population that is determined to buy quality, and they'll go to any country to get it. We can satisfy this growing, discriminating market now and in the years ahead. Many of our fastest-growing companies are proving it. But it means going back to the old verity. Quality first, quantity second. Both can be achieved through human imagination, the most incredible agency ever to appear on Earth. Now, as to input, we should never stop building our store of information. We can never get an idea without raw material, which is information and application. If there's real talent there, too, so much the better. But talent has a way of developing with hard application, daily application, perspiration, long hours of study and deep thought. Become a sponge for information that applies to what you do. Read everything you can find on the subject. Build a fine library of books that are filled with the ideas of others on your specialty, whatever it may be. You know, my wife is a great cook. She must have 30 cookbooks. People who say they're great cooks without ever reading the ideas of others are kidding themselves. I know a writer who refuses to read the works of other writers. He's never amounted to much. Great painters have always learned more from other painters than they did from nature, and they still do. Somerset Maugham laboriously copied the style of writers he admired. I mean, he would sit and copy page after page of the actual words they wrote so that he could learn how they wrote. He then wrote the stories he wanted to write with a marvelously finished skill. You know, when I first started in radio, I listened carefully to the country's best and highest paid radio personalities. They had learned their skills through many years of hard work. I learned a great deal from them. All I had to do was turn on my radio and listen. Frank Sinatra learned his amazing breath control from Tommy Dorsey. And every great performer who ever lived has had a model or models he or she studied and admired and wanted to emulate. How about you? The person who thinks he doesn't have to study his craft, art, or profession is a pompous fool, and his chances of ever amounting to much are very slim indeed. A never-ending taking in of the best thoughts of the best people in the field of our choice is the best assurance that we will never stagnate, never stop producing. Paracelsus wrote, Thoughts are free and are subject to no rule. On them rests the freedom of man, and they tower above the light of nature. For thoughts give birth to a creative force that is neither elemental or sidereal. Thoughts create a new heaven, a new firmament, a new source of energy from which new arts flow. When man undertakes to create something, he establishes a new heaven, as it were, and from it the work that he desires to create flows into him. For such is the immensity of man that he is greater than heaven and earth. If we can catch the vision that life is lived from within out, that it's not so much what happens around us or to us as what happens in us that counts, we can set our own pace, live our own lives, meet situations and people objectively without fear or resistances, and we can become healthier and as prosperous and happy as we want to be. What would it be like to be a fully mature, self-actualizing, fully functioning human being? This is the ideal, busy, happy person with all his faculties smoothly functioning in perfect cooperation. No wars going on inside, no hang-ups, no neuroses. The ideal productive person. The late Dr. Maslow made a study of self-actualized people, and they stack up this way. First, these superior people have the ability to see life clearly, to see it 
as it is rather than as they wish it to be. They are less emotional and more objective about their observations. They're far above average in their ability to judge people correctly and to see through the phony or the fake. Usually their choice of marriage partners is far better than average, although by no means perfect. These self-actualized people are more accurate in their prediction of future events. They see more fully, and their judgment extends to an understanding of art, music, politics, and philosophy. Yet they have a kind of humility, the ability to listen carefully to others, to admit they don't know everything, and that others can teach them. This concept can be described as a childlike simplicity and lack of arrogance. Children have this ability to hear without preconception or early judgment. As the child looks out upon the world with wide, uncritical, innocent eyes, simply noting or observing what is the case, without either arguing the matter or demanding that it be otherwise, so does the self-actualizing person look upon human nature in himself and in others. Without exception, Maslow found self-actualizing people to be dedicated to some work, task, duty, or vocation which they considered important. Because they were interested in this work, they worked hard, and yet the usual distinction between work and play became blurred. For them, work is exciting and pleasurable. Maslow found creativity to be a universal characteristic of all the self-actualizing people he studied. Creativeness was almost synonymous with the terms healthy, self-actualizing, and fully human. Here again, the creativity of these people is similar to that of little children before they learn to fear the ridicule of others. Maslow believes this to be a characteristic which is too frequently lost as we grow older. Self-actualizing people either do not lose this fresh, naive approach, or if they lose it, they recover it later in life. Spontaneity is typical of this person. Self-actualizing people are less inhibited, therefore more expressive, natural, and simple. And of course, they have courage. The courage that's needed in the lonely moments of creation. This is a kind of daring, uh, going out in front all alone, a defiance, a challenge. Thus, while these persons are humble in that they're open to new ideas, they're willing to forego popularity to stand up for a new idea. The self-actualizing person is a hard worker. Inspirations are a dime a dozen. The difference between the inspiration and the finished product, for example, uh, Tolstoy's War and Peace, is an awful lot of hard work. To go on, the self-actualizing person has a low degree of self-conflict. He's not at war with himself. His personality is integrated. This gives him more energy for productive purposes. As Maslow puts it, truth, goodness, and beauty are in the average person in our culture only fairly well correlated with each other, and in the neurotic person even less so. It is only in the evolved and mature human being, in the self-actualizing, fully functioning person, that they're so highly correlated that for all practical purposes they may be said to fuse into a unity. The psychologically healthy person is both selfish and unselfish, and in fact these two attitudes merge into one. The healthy person finds happiness in helping others. Thus for him, unselfishness is selfish. They get selfish pleasure from the pleasures of other people, which is a way of being unselfish. Or saying it another way, the healthy person is selfish in a healthy way, a way which is beneficial to him and to society, too. Research indicates that the healthy person is most integrated when facing a great creative challenge, some worthwhile goal, or a time of serious threat or emergency. The mature person has a healthy respect for himself, a respect based upon knowledge that he is competent and adequate, and while not dependent upon it, frequently receives deserved respect from others. Remember, all I'm offering.
on they list. Offside radio. What you talking about? Okay. What about Tuesday? Yo, I can't pick me up. You turn that on, son. Welcome to Block Talk Radio. Keep home and you'll be able to listen to the show. At last. Outside. Radio.
But let's look at the this second radio. response I the to the, the motion for summary judgment. That's part of your materials. And that's identified as defendant and counterclaimant, John Doe Citizens, response to plaintiff and defendant on counterclaims motion for summary judgment. Okay, what's our, what's our premise we're going to proceed under? Plaintiff and defendant on counterclaimants motion for summary judgment is a substantive and procedural nullity. Pretty heavyweight words for somebody representing themselves going into court. Brief and support. Plaintiff and counterclaimant has placed no facts on record. No fact appears on record, whether by deposition, admission, answer to interrogatory, or by affidavit to suggest or to support the averments of plaintiff and defendant on counterclaimant's pleadings. Documents proffered by Dewey Cheatham, it's not the attorney's real name, are unverified, out of date, irrelevant, and inadmissible. The record shows that the defendant and counterclaimant John Doe Citizen has testified and testifies again infra, establishing that material facts to which there is substantial controversy are at issue in this case. What's accomplished in this first paragraph? First of all, when you're, when you're in a pleading form, you want to know what it takes to win with that form. And when you want to win against a motion for summary judgment, you've got to state that there are, is a controversy. If there's a controversy, there can't be a summary judgment. And you're stating that there is a controversy. And so the court cannot decide this against you. And you're also saying that the only person that said anything in this Tea Party is an attorney. And I don't care how high the stack of paperwork gets from an attorney. It never, never rises to a level of fact. If you look at the clear letter of the law as determined by the Supreme Courts, the judge is not supposed to look at it. It's not supposed to be noticed by the court. Just like Sanders Sauls down there in Florida with those stacks of 25. Unmute my mic. Peace. Peace, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Truth Tuesday show with your host, Akeem L., here on Hindsight Radio, the information station changing the nation. I hope everybody's doing well this evening. As for me, I am doing excellent. Uh, I want to send a shout out to everybody in the chat. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Slaw Show, Curtis Williams, Karen Israel, Yalik L, Chief Lemuel, uh, seven five eight one six, whoever that is, Ronnie Davis, 
and all those who are just listening and not in the chat. Thanks for tuning in. I hope y'all listened to that summary judgment um, video. It's talking about if there's no if there's no real facts before the court, the judge can't even look at it. He can't even pay attention to it. If only a, an attorney is speaking, he can't. But they do it all the time. So it's your job to uh, object to it, bring it up, make a point of it, you know? Uh, what's, what's, what is this guy? Uh, y'all dressing some haters or whatever. <laughs> um, so what do I want to talk about? I got a lot to talk about. Personal, and I want to talk about this personal jurisdiction situation from last week. But I also, what I mainly want to talk about this week is judicial notice and how powerful it is, especially when these people like to ignore what you're doing, what you're putting on the record. They like to act like you didn't do it. Uh, but first and foremost, I got to give my spiritual spill, spiritual upliftment, enlightenment. All too often, people are complaining about how things are turning out, how things are looking, why things can't um, go their way. But they always seem to look to things, people, places, outside of them. You know, for an example, people with no money blame the system. The system trying to keep me down. It's the job. They don't want to give me a raise. These things, these people are not trying to put you down, bring you down. You know, people do things, they try to get in your way, but really the only person that can keep you down is you. Why? Because you believe in what they're doing. You're paying attention to it. You're, 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 the, you're addressing it. You believe that they can stop you. You believe that the system is too hard. If you believe you have the power to overcome anything that comes in your way, it will happen. It's all about your belief system. That's why I played that uh, clip about imagination. Um, that was a clip from, I think it was, uh, let me see here. Where is my mouse? All right. You know, I'm working off a few screens here. Um, I think I think it was Norman Vincent Peale, if I'm getting his name right. I just got imagination is everything. Imagination is everything. If you imagine bad, you get bad. If you imagine good, you get good. And you, it, it's your belief system that's stopping you from being successful. Just imagine when you were young and you believed in something and it came true and you didn't let anything stop you. Or recently, we all have belief system. We all have imaginations. Unfortunately, most of us use our imagination in a way that does not serve us. Like, for instance, 
You might be in a relationship, but you look forward to moving on to the next phase of the relationship, and all you're thinking about is the possibility of what can go wrong in that relationship instead of looking at what can go right. Maybe there has been some instances where some things came up that, you know, caused you to give you some um, pause. That person may have acted or did something that, you know, hey, is this the right move? Even in a situation like that, you got to look at yourself because you have to ask yourself, what am I doing that can bring that out of a person, that a person is displaying that? That's the first question. Then the second question would, would be, okay, maybe this is just that person. And then you have to make a decision whether you're going to deal with it or not. You're never, ever going to change anybody's behavior. You can only change your behavior. By you changing your behavior and you're looking at everything with the outlook of positive outcomes, only a few things can happen. That person that seemed to be negative may transform. But if if they're not willing to transform their negativity, they will part ways. Either you could tell them to part ways or they will part ways. But most of the time they go off on their own because if they see that they cannot, if they're a negative person and they're just doing this to disrupt you and and cause problems for you and they see that it's not affecting you, they're going to move on eventually. That's why I very rarely address negativity. Very rarely. When it's, you know, especially in chats and, and, uh, and, um, you know, when I'm doing my business, I never address it, especially when people are just blatantly trying to come at me. I said, you know, I don't follow it up because what happened, it dies right where it is. It never gets into my psychological, it never gets into my mind to mess with me. You see? Because the minute I address it, now it's in there, then I'm talking, and once you get on a roll of talking about negative stuff, it goes from one story to the next. It never stops. You see? That's why you must always remain diligent, vigilant, and oh, aggressive when it comes to being positive, keeping your mind free of negativity. So stay positive. A lot of things is happening here at Hindsight. I'm uh, working on a couple of projects, and I got one completed. Well, I got actually a couple of things completed that I'm going to be implementing in the um, into the premium membership, you know, some asset protection mechanisms. Um, a lot of information coming across my desk. You know, people say they have this and they have that, that, you know, that can change your lives, you know, especially, you know, that still discharge and all that stuff still coming at me. Yeah, this can be done. But then when you push it, they always say, oh, yeah, I'm waiting on this information or somebody else is doing it. Eh, you know, that's how it goes. But big things that's happened in membership. I am going to actually going to put everything on remote control where the membership is going to change the look, where I'm taking all of the old videos 
I'm gonna put it on up on a a, a, a platform where people could just go to the, all of the videos when they're ready. They don't, you know, right there on their computer, right off the web. So that is being worked on, revamping all of that, a whole new look. So look forward to that. Those that are in the membership, if you're not in the membership, I suggest you do get in the membership because a lot of good things is coming, real good things. Uh, you know. So, Max Moore said he dropped 50 bucks for the show and we'll get it back 10 times. See, that's how you do it right there. That's how you do it. You, you give, matter of fact, I haven't um, put my cash app up there. Um, you give and you will receive 10 times. See, he put a command on that. He put it, I'm going to get it back 10 times. Every time I put a command on my money, I get it back 10 times. Whenever I give, I get it back. Some people are just afraid to give because they feel like they're going to lose. You can never lose with giving. It's impossible to lose when you're giving. long as you're giving with the honest heart, not looking for someone to pat you on the back, you're looking, you're really giving to help. And yes, it's okay to expect that to come back to you tenfold. That's okay. But always give with the thought process, with the mindset of you're helping someone. And then you're helping someone, you will be helped. What you give is what you get. You give anger, you get anger. You think anger, you will receive anger. You think on bad things, you think bad things about whoever you're with or the things, you will see that all the time. People are moving and doing things unconsciously. So if I want to find something negative, I can always find it. Negativity is, there is an abundance of it going around. That's that whole broad and spacious road. The negative road is the broad and spacious road. The positive road the enlightened road is the narrow, cramped road because to stay in that thought process is it can be challenging because there's always something coming at you, negative mindsets, situations coming at you that you have to dodge and, and, and jump over. You know, mentally, just keeping your mind in that space because it's so easy to get off the path. That's what the Bible is talking about. The broad and spacious is easy to find, and, and, and many will find it. But that road to, to everlasting life is cramped and narrow. It's just a thought. It's not an actual road. It's a spiritual road. It's a mental road, a metaphysical road it's all everything that the bible is talking about is how your mind works it's all here nowhere else because everything starts with the mind everything and if you want to be bold you have to say god is thought and you have thoughts so therefore you are god you are lord over all things in your life. 
You see? Someone put Proverbs twelve twenty four. The hand of the diligent will rule, slothful will be put to forced labor. That's true. I don't know about forced labor anymore. It's voluntary labor now. People just want to go work for other people. Um, you see? So, keep in mind to keep a check on your mind. Make sure it's not drifting off into hell. And keep your thoughts always in heaven. That's where heaven and hell is. It's in the space of your thoughts. You saw someone put Matthew seven thirteen and fourteen speaks of the narrow and wide gates. Yeah, let's let's you know, I'm glad you put that up. I like to read it. To Matthew seven thirteen and it says, Enter through the narrow gate, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So it would, the narrow gate is that narrow space of positivity. Because any movement to the right or the left you off it. You on to the other road. But wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Yes, many enter through it through the thoughts of their mind. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So what is it saying? Life is being positive. Staying diligent to your purpose. That's another thing. That's hard road to stay on. To your purpose, the purpose that you're here to do, to affect positively, affect people in a positive manner, help people. That's another road. Uh, my cash app is going across the screen. Dollar sign Akeem L. Thank you for the for the donations. I can use it. I've been <laughs> investing in a lot of stuff um, to help build the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So yes, stay on that narrow road. You go go through the narrow gate of uplifting thoughts about yourself, number one, and uplifting thoughts about other people, number two. Because you cannot think good about other people unless you think good about you. You come first. You are the God. Put what's that? Do not put any other gods before me. Don't put. Anyone before you, you have to work on self. You have to upbuild yourself. You have to think positive about yourself. You have to see yourself as a divine manifestation of God. God works through you and works in you, and God is in you. Um, 7.40 at this time. So let, let's go into uh, judicial notice. Let's do that. Let's go into that. Okay, let me look at the chat re- real quick. Olivier Marlin, American national, but not a citizen of the United States, and I am not civilly <laughs> dead in the court, lack jurisdiction over the name. Olivier Marlin. Uh, put lack personal jurisdiction. Lack personal jurisdiction. 
And, and, and you know what? Let's go into that first. Let's do that first because I'm glad you put that there. Let me let me put it in, up there. I'm glad you put that there. I'm glad you put that. So everybody can see what that says. This is how they wrote it. And that's pretty much how I write. I don't put civilly dead. I use the Latin thing. Ins legis, because what is it? It's a fiction. It's a straw man. Now, the other, the correct usage for straw man is ins legis. E-N-S-L. I put it in the chat. L-E-G-I-S. I put that in there. I put that right out Right there. Um, let's share this screen. Take that off the screen. Let's share a screen here. Alright. Um, Chrome tab. Alright. Alright. So to read what Olivia Vera Marlin said, American national, but not a citizen of the United States, and I am not Olivia Oliviera Marlin, civilly dead in the court, lack of jurisdiction over the name, and up and lower. That's basically what they're saying. So, it's a good point. So, waiving personal jurisdiction. This was a, a, a source of contention last week on the show. So let's look at overview. Personal jurisdiction refers to the power that a court has to make a decision regarding the party being sued in a case. Oh, uh, let me have say my spill. This is all spiritual advice coming from the uh the ministry uh the of infinite abundance. <laughs> this is not legal advice. If you want legal advice, there's plenty of sources, to, you know, lawyers you can look up if you want their advice. They'll, they, they, they will love to take your money and do whatever. So I just have to say that. This is a ministry. So it said, before a court can exercise power over a party, the U.S. Constitution requires that the party has certain minimum contacts with the former in which the court sits. International shoe versus Washington. So if the plaintiff sues the defendant, that defendant can object to the suit by arguing that the court does not have personal jurisdiction over the defendant, right? Waiving personal jurisdiction. Personal jurisdiction can generally generally be waived. Uh, contrast this with subject matter jurisdictions. You can never waive it. So that's the point. You can never waive uh, subject matter jurisdiction, but you can waive personal jurisdiction. Simply by not addressing it in rule 12 when you, you know, by way of motion to dismiss or by answering the complaint. That's why I tell you guys never to answer the complaint, but you still can raise personal jurisdiction anytime during the proceeding. If certain elements exist, here it is, which cannot be waived. So if the party being sued appears in a court without objection to the court's lack of personal jurisdiction over it, then the court will assume that the defendant is waiving any challenge to personal jurisdiction. So they can assume if you appear voluntarily without bringing that up first. So I always tell you how to bring it up. Now, to address this statement that uh, Marlon put on there, 
So they're saying lack of personal jurisdiction over a certain styling of the name in its proper English form, you know, English grammar form, whatever you want to put it, right? So they're saying, okay, you may have personal jurisdiction over that all caps, but you don't have jurisdiction over this, and you haven't brought that party into the courtroom. I'm only here to set the record straight, saying, hey, I'm not this, this is who I am, and here it is in my pleading or my motion. I don't like that word pleading. Um, Okay, obtaining personal jurisdiction, typically for a court to have personal jurisdiction over a defendant, the plaintiff needs to to serve the defendant in the state which the court sits and... The defendant needs to voluntarily appear in court. Did y'all hear that? So if you don't voluntarily appear in court, they never have personal jurisdiction. So let me give you an example. This is why I said what I said last week. Say you got a third, well, let's use child support because they are notorious for mailing out letters to people saying, oh, you need to come here for this negotiation hearing on child support and bring all of these documents with you while you're at it. Like, for instance, they want you to bring pay stubs and all these other things. They're assuming they have jurisdiction to have you come there, right? Now, if you show up to court with all that stuff, you just gave up the personal jurisdiction. So you can't claim that, right? Now, but what if you don't show up to court? I just showed you, and the defendant needs to voluntarily appear in court. So they mail you something, and you you never got the request for you to come to court because a lot of the child support uh, enforcements or uh, proceedings are just mailed by regular mail. But the clerk of court, the rules of the court state that a third party must serve it, mainly the sheriff or any other party that the court deems competent to do so or have given the authority to serve you. And they must put on the record that you were served. Do you realize that most, I would say 85 to 90%, most, shoot, all of the ones that I've seen never have that, meet that, um, standing never so brothers if you're listening and they got you on child support you never showed up to court here's your defense here's your out so now you can say personal jurisdiction and subject matter jurisdiction you see so even if you're in a case and you never was properly served you can still raise that objection because they have specific rules on how you are to be served. But it's always good to raise it in the beginning. Always good. But some people don't have that option. For instance, you're in a third-party debt case, and you, oh, these guys supposedly served you. They go to court and stand there and say, well, I served them. We win by default. No, they don't if you never were served. Because you never voluntarily appeared in court. 
lack of personal jurisdiction. And if you have to show that, if they don't have her on the record that you were served properly, then you were not served. And the court must rule in your favor. And as an extra bonus, a court cannot just take and not address the, the jurisdiction. Let me see if this is the one. See, let's see. I got a case up here that this happens. Mm. Let me see. Let me go all the way down to the bottom to see the ruling. I'll show you this in a minute. Yeah, this is it. All right, let's share this. Share screen. I, I promise I'm going to get to. This is actually case. You can look this up. 16 pages long. You can print it out. I'd save it. Um, And I'll just go down and read the ruling without having to read all of that. The circuit courts do not have discretion to assume personal jurisdiction and decide merits issues when a defendant asserts lack of personal jurisdiction and the record on appeal is complete because the Second Circuit in this case and circuit courts in other cases have endorsed the inappropriate doctrine of hypothetical personal jurisdiction. So, Tiori, I don't know how to pronounce that, is warranted. So, basically, what this is saying Personal jurisdiction was brought up, and they just kept moving. You see? So I'd read this whole case to see what happened. Let's read the first paragraph. The U.S. Solicitor General takes the extraordinary position that the second court had discretion to resolve marriage issues on appeal before satisfying itself that it had personal jurisdiction over Petitioner Banca, UBAE, SBA, an Italian bank with no U.S. contacts generally and no U.S. contracts contacts specific to respondents' claims. Like the Second Circuit, the SG in, endorses the practice among several of the circuit courts that ignores fully brief and argued challenges to personal jurisdiction and instead proceeds to the merits by exercising hypothetical personal jurisdiction. This is a violation of due process and inconsistent with jurisdictional principles that empower federal courts to decide cases. More than a decade ago, this court banned the practice of hypothetical jurisdiction in the context of subject matter jurisdiction. This court should now grant petitions petition for certiorari and declare that the practice of assuming personal jurisdiction to reach the merits is likewise prohibited. So, that's a you can put that in your paperwork right there. Hypothetical jurisdiction. When they when you go to court and you're claiming you guys lack personal jurisdiction, subject matter jurisdiction, they keep moving. And and they, they try to rule against you. Now you just a notice of appeal. The court assumed hypo, exercised hypothetical personal jurisdiction. They never gave clear 
indefinite statements on the record that they had jurisdiction. They can't just take it. They got to explain it. You see? They got to explain it. And number two, this is what they did. The Solicitor General acknowledged that the Second Circuit overlooked UBAE's personal jurisdiction defense and revived previously dismissed claims against the bank. See brief for the United States as a Mikis Curier. The SG's position is that the Second Circuit's decision to ignore UBAE's personal jurisdiction defense and reach the merits was an, an appropriate exercise of the court's discretion. They just <laughs> Number three, the doctrine of hypothetical personal jurisdiction applied by the Second Circuit endorsed by the SG is inconsistent with the Circuit Court's decision and still company versus citizens for a better environment. 523 U.S. 839301. These are all cases you guys should look up which ban the practice in the context of subject matter jurisdiction. Hypothetical jurisdiction carries courts beyond the bounds of authorized judicial action and produces nothing more than hypothetical judgments but comes to the same thing as an advisory opinion. Okay, hypothetical th- judgment. These, these are key words that y'all can use. Disapproved by the court from the beginning. And you have cases to support your, 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 your motion. This rule must, of course, apply to federal appellate courts Every federal appellate court, this court has said, has a special obligation to satisfy itself not only of its own jurisdiction, but also that of the lower courts in accords under review. And jurisdiction must include both subject matter and personal. That's why they go together. You hear it. A federal court generally may not rule on the merits of a case without first determining that it has jurisdiction over the category claim in suit subject matter jurisdiction, and the parties, personal jurisdiction. Personal jurisdiction is an essential element without with the court is powerless to proceed to an adjudication. Here the Second Circuit endorsed the very sort of hypothetical jurisdiction that Steel Company rejected. Although Steel Company dealt with subject matter jurisdiction, there is no material difference between an appellate court leapfrogging subject matter jurisdiction to decide merits issues in appellate court and he, as here, leapfrogging personal jurisdiction to decide merits issues by reviving causes of action that were previously dismissed. In both situations, the court is assuming power over a defendant with jurisdiction when jurisdiction remains in question. Perhaps Justice Thomas, then a circuit judge, put it best when he said, the truest constraint on the federal judicial power then is this. A federal court may not decide cases when it cannot decide cases and must determine whether it can before it may. The majority here changes this fundamental precept to read in effect that under certain circumstances, a federal court should decide cases regardless of whether it can and need not determine whether it can before it does. So what this just said is, you can still raise your personal jurisdiction by way of subject matter jurisdiction. Why? Because they go hand in hand. So that's why you have to read things. That's why I said what I said. I could challenge personal jurisdiction at any time during the proceeding 
by way of personal jurisdiction and bring up person they never had way of subject matter jurisdiction and bring up that they didn't have personal jurisdiction and here's why. Mic drop. So read things thoroughly before you start questioning what I'm saying. So I politely tell you personal jurisdiction can be brought up anytime. You're out of subject matter, matter jurisdiction to bring it up. I just read it. Okay. They are twins with each other. They work together. Okay. Because if I don't have, if I don't have personal jurisdiction, then there's nothing to talk about. We can't talk about the subject matter. All right. I really didn't want to go into that, but I did. The record is straight now. Yep. Like it, it, think about it. You could re- you could go in and all these traffic tickets that they they ran on you without a trial. You could bring it up. And show how you were not properly served. Or they ran through in the court without you having a, the right of trial by jury, all of that. Um all right, so let's go to the to the uh judicial notice. All right. I had thought I had judicial notice up here. Let's see. I'll just do this. Do this. Let's first let's see what judicial notice. Those of you been with me for a while know what it is, but we're gonna read it anyway. You know what? I'm gonna read it off of North Carolina, not from the federal code. I'm gonna read North Carolina's. Because every state has an identical rule to the federal rules. All right, so let's do this. Uh, share the screen. Stop that. I wish there was a way to just flip between this. St- I gotta work find another app that that could, I could just go flip. So I put this. If you don't have this, here's a link in the chat for you to do this yourself. This is about judicial notice, and here's a link to that uh, case that I just read. A lot of good information that you can use to um for your case. All right. Taking a while to get into the chat. Here it is. All right. So let's go to this one. Article two, judicial notice. Rule two oh one, judicial notice of adjudicative facts. So what's an adjudicative fact? What is that? Let's look that up. Facts. Judicative facts of those that relate to the issue to be decided in the case, i.e., the who, what, where, when, and how, why of what happened. Legislative facts relate to matters of public policy. That's one. Let's get a better one. 
in uh, adjudicative fact, a fact that is either legally operative or even so important as to be controlled on some question of law. Adjudicative facts of those which concern the parties, the sub-dispute, and are helpful in determining the proper outcome in a case. Okay? Here you go. All right. Let's see what adjudicative facts are. All right. So let's read the law on that. This is North Carolina's uh, statutes. Rule 201. A scope of rule. This rule governs only judicial notice of adjudicative facts. B, kind of fact. A judicially noticed fact must be one not subject to reasonable dispute in that it is either one, generally known within the territory jurisdiction of the trial court, or two, capable of accurate and ready determination by resort to sources whose accuracy cannot reasonably be questioned. So keep in mind what I just read. A judicially noticed fact must be one, not subject to reasonable dispute, and that is either one, generally known within the territory jurisdiction of the trial court, or two, capable of accurate and ready determinants by resort to sources whose accuracy cannot reasonably be questioned. C, when discretionary court may take judicial notice, whether requested or not. D, when mandatory, a court shall take judicial notice if requested by a party and supplied with the necessary information. And E, opportunity to be heard. In a trial court, a party is entitled upon timely request to an opportunity to be heard as to the propriety of taking judicial notice and the tenure of the matter noticed. In the absence of prior notification, the request may be made after judicial notice has been taken. So, let me read F. Time of taking notes. Judicial notice may be taken at any stage of the proceeding. So you can do this at any stage. Very important. Um, so, why am I reading this today? Because, simply... How many people have put in paperwork, put in motions, and the prosecutor, district attorneys just ignore you, and they keep moving like you didn't even put it in? So here's your remedy. Put in the judicial notice of your filings. Take mandatory judicial notice of on June 15th, 2021, on or around June 15th, 2021, the alleged defendant entered into the record a motion to dismiss for lack of personal jurisdiction and subject matter jurisdiction. And at this time, I'm I'm actually giving y'all the stuff to write right off my head. <laughs> y'all better be taking notes or go back and listen. Um, at this time, I, uh, I'm trying to use the right words. I'm better at just typing it out. And to date, the district attorney has not responded. It is now 30 days, 31 days past the time of filing. 
according to rules such and such, the district attorney has this many days to respond. Boom. Now you're setting up the, I'm just giving y'all general. Y'all can reword it. I'm just giving you an idea. <laughs> they got to take judicial notice. Why? Because number one, it says, a judicially noticed fact must be one not subject to reasonable dispute. If you put in as an exhibit a stamped copy of your filing, that can't be disputed. Generally known with the territorial jurisdiction of the trial court. That's in the territorial jurisdiction of the trial court. Capable of accurate and ready determination by resort to sources whose accuracy cannot reasonably be questioned. So they can't question the clerk of court. Yes, you did file it. Now they're taking judicial notice of it. That's going to make the judge pay attention. What do I do now? And it's going to make it very hard for him to walk over you because taking judicial notice is a direct request from that judge to take that notice, take judicial notice. You putting the ball in his court now. I told you all of this is about court, hitting stuff back and forth, and you must do it in a proper way. And then go as far as pulling a motion for opportunity to be heard. Notice a motion of mandatory judicial notice and motion to be heard and an opportunity to be heard on mandatory judicial notice. Something like that. So a lot of y'all, I, 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 a lot of you gave comments and say, hey, they didn't answer my stuff. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Here's your answer. This is how you do it. Now you're making, you putting the onus on them to respond. And you know what? I really honestly, especially in these traffic deals and all this, these little small issues, they're still not going to respond because they are so arrogant. I wouldn't even, you know what, let me take that back. They may not be arrogant. They're just so overworked that they don't have time to respond like that. They're not, see, these these traffic ticket courts, they're not used to anybody challenging them. They're just used to making deals. So, Who's going to, you know, you know, most law firms have what you call a paralegal that types up their paperwork for them. Who's typing up for a overworked DA? Who's doing this for? Them? You know, everything you do takes practice, right? And if you're not in the practice of responding and rebutting and getting all the stuff together, that's a lot of work for them. When they're looking at 100 cases a day or more in traffic fines. I'm just I'm being I'm being understanding. They really don't have the time to do that, to have the to pull a, a necessary response back to you. And when you do something like that, you're putting a monkey wrench in how that will works. That system works when you challenge that, but you have to challenge it properly, timely, properly, and effectively. Now you got them taking judicial notice. Now you get them to take judicial notice. Hey, like, let's just say, okay, this is how I would do it. You do what you want. 
I would do a motion to dismiss for the various whatever reason I motion to dismiss. Most of my motion to dismiss are personal jurisdiction, subject matter jurisdiction. Then I'd wait the time for the time to expire. Then I'll do a a motion for judgment on the on my on my motions. Right? And when I do that, that's when I'll do judicial notice. That's what I would do. After the time, I'll wait till after their time expired. Then I'll say I need a judgment on these uh, a motion. See, you got to move the court. You got to ask them to give you a judgment on your pleadings. You got to put that in there or demand it, whatever way you want to put that. And in there, take judicial notice. Boom, 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 and and all everything I filed will be in that judicial notice as an exhibit. Now, not only are you you put it on the record once, you just put it on it twice. You put copies of your filings with the stamp copy as an exhibit. Boom. They got problems now. See, we have to get away from the days of just letting these people roll over us because they feel like they got the power to do that. They See, when they roll over there, they know you have no no one no army to help you. Well, not that they know. They think you do, you don't have an army to help you, but you do. You have your ancestors. Number one, you have your mind, your spiritual power. You know, it always boggles the mind, my mind, when I see the same people having the same issues with every situation they run to, someone is giving them resistance. Why? Because you believe in resistance. You have a you have an energy that is in alignment with resistance. If everything you do, they're stopping you. You're meeting resistance. You, that I can I will I know that that's in your thoughts. I know. You see. MMBB says, wow, this is it. You are absolutely right. This is it. You got to put in everything that can help you. You got to, you see, you're going to have to cross your T's and dot your I's. They don't have to because they got the judge on their side. It's not supposed to be that way. And I'm not saying every judge is like that. But I also believe on the judge side, they're so used to people just speeding, court them speeding 91 and a 70. We're going to plead them down to 80 and a 70, $100 fine. And the person is sitting there, thank you, Your Honor, and they take that look, they take it and pay the lesser fee and walk out of there because all they want to do is leave that courtroom. They don't mind giving up the money. But if you got 100 people at least paying $100, that court is banking. You see? Your job is to not let them bank on you. Because it's really about money. That's all it's about. It's not about stopping crime. When you look at the way the system is set up, it's really not about stopping true crimes. It's about money for the most part. 
They spend most of their resources setting up speed traps. Why? Because that's where the gravy is. It's just gravy. You see, speeding is, you know, unless it's, you know, ridiculously high speeds. Because in some countries, they don't even have a, like I think Germany, the Autobahn, they don't even have a speed limit. You see, this is where the government doesn't trust people to do the right thing. So they make rules like this. And, of course, that probably came from somebody just being reckless. And even with the even with these rules, people still are reckless. It doesn't matter if you have the rules or not. They, it, 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 having the rules doesn't stop people from being reckless. All it does is oppress the people that are trying to be responsible. That's all it does. The people that are just trying to, you know, go to work and live their life, it, it oppresses them. The heart, the, the system milks more money out of hardworking, honest people than it does the actual criminals. And I believe that's criminal. Because you, you ever sit in a traffic court, it's just regular folk in this. That's where they're getting all that money from. So there you have it, judicial notice, and they have to take mandatory judicial notice once you make that move. Um, let's see. Um, I didn't even check if anybody on the line got their hand up. No, ain't nobody's in the thing. Everybody's asking a. They, oh, somebody want the link. You want the link for what? Uh, the oh, I didn't put it. You talking about the links to these PDFs? Okay, I'm I'm looking at Blog Talk. I put the link in the YouTube. There it is. And the other one, I keep forgetting about Blog Talk. I'm treating Blog Talk like a stepchild. There it is. I put in there, Elijah Faith. Still got the faithful blog talk listeners. And we got 44 people online and YouTube. It won't let me give you the YouTube. But when you're on blog talk, you get everything in real time. And on YouTube, it's a delay. Yeah, that's YouTube. All right. So, what's next? Uh, questions. What y'all got? Y'all got something y'all want to ask me on, on YouTube? I'll hang out with y'all a little bit longer. If y'all notice, I'm not wearing my headphones. I'm taking a uh, break from these headphones. they these headphones with these electromagnetic wave, elect, uh, electromagnetic waves, and these wireless Bluetooth this and that, eventually you're gonna start having problems. If you're already hearing ringing in your ears and stuff like that, that's why. And along with a poet diet, it doesn't work, you know. So I just started at home turning off my Bluetooth, uh, 
and moving my phone away from me at night. Um, I might even consider just shutting it all the way down at night because, I mean, I don't talk to anybody late. I guess, you know, my daughter's at her mom's for the summer, and then, you know, Beth, that's the only reason why I would keep it on. Um, But I don't talk to people late at night like that. But, yeah, man, I had some, my uh, this year here, had some hearing issues. Now, it's been restored for the most part but they come from too many headphones. And I don't really oh, wear a lot of headphones like that. You know, I think there was, I had another headphone I was using for the show, and I think it was that headphone is not shielded properly. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do a class on the church bylaws, DJB Thunder. I actually have the bylaws here. That that's what I was waiting on to set those up. So I am going to set, do that, do a class on how to do your bylaws, um, and also probably in that class I'm gonna show show y'all how to set up y'all unincorporated nonprofit association, uh, which is basically a church. Same same thing because a church is a nonprofit. Um, but some of y'all don't like the term church and you can use temple synagogue I know you believe in something I I suggest that you strongly set up all of your entities under the jurisdiction of your faith you see somebody put in there um, common law statutes every court of this state shall take judicial notice of the common law statutes of every state territory and other jurisdictions of the United States. That's true. That is true. Yeah. I got 56 people, man. The listenership going up. I, I like that. Yes, it does. It has the E on it. See, if your CP 575, which is the, the form you get after you apply for your EIN for your church or whatever, if it don't have an E right after it, then it's not considered exempt. This is why you don't have to fill out paperwork for five for stuff like that. Actually, I got a video um, talking about that. Um, let me go to that video. I have to understand, people are telling y'all stuff, um, what to do, how to do it, without reading to you guys the rules of these things. And they're just telling y'all to do all kinds of stuff. And, and a lot of y'all just run into it. Let's see. I did this a few months ago. Um, Right now I'm looking on my channel. I-9 for nationals. Y'all need to look at that one. I-9 form for nationals. Notice of appearance. W-9s is for U.S. person. Uh, substitute W-A Ben and what you should know. Uh, mandatory exceptions. There we go, baby. All right. right, let's. I don't want it to play. You know, my thing be playing. Mandatory exceptions. You know what? I was like, where do I find a link so I could 
do this in um what's the title? Twenty six USC sixty thirty three is the law. So let's 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 die. All right, this is the video. Cause I was having this challenge in the membership. I see I got people in the membership that listen to other people for information. You know, that's fine. You know, I don't care. We, we, you, you can listen to these people if you want to. You know, let me put it in um, Blog Talk, too, for whoever's in Blog Talk. Um, oh, somebody gave me something, a link. This will help. I can't copy and paste that. Let me see if I can copy and paste that. All right, thank you. Um. Thank you for that. You'd be looking out. Oh, yeah, you know, I was looking for those. Oh, you talking about the all gone? All right. That sounds good. All right. I'm 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 off topic, y'all. Hang on. <laughs> Let me get to what I was doing. Thank you for that. Uh, I think that's Logic Face. Giving that me. Thank you. Um, go back to here. Twenty six USC sixty thirty three. Here it is. So let's read it. Let's read it. Let's share the screen too. Share. Stop screen. Share this. Chrome tab. Sixty thirty-three. I didn't have an opportunity to share it in the class on Sunday because I had to go I had my daughter with me for the weekend. My granddaughter's birthday was well, actually her birthday is like on the twentieth or something, but they was having it a little bit early and they had this had a party. We had a good time. Um the Beth, my daughter, my son, of course, because that's his daughter, uh, my granddaughter, and my grandson, and, you know, all of the people he know, his family, birthday party. It was at a place called um, Mad Splatter. It's a place where you, you put on a suit, you go in a room, and you just paint. You can paint on a um, a canvas, but they let you paint on the wall. You get just throw it, you know, but you wear goggles and everything. It was actually fun. At first, I wasn't going to go in there, and Beth kept talking to me about going, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go. You only live once, and it is my uh, granddaughter's birthday, and she could see and experience that time with me. And uh, went in there, and I painted up something with their names on it, Ava and Kaden, and then I put the, they're both six years old, and on it, and it was pretty cool. It really was. Uh, I enjoyed myself. You know, you got to do stuff like that. You got to uh, take time out with the family and just do something. Not think about work and not think about your problems. Because those things are always going to be there. You know, enjoy when you're with family, enjoy that time with family. And it was actually fun. You should try it out. It's I think they have them all over the place. They may not be called mad splatters, but according to Beth, they have them all over. You can do things like that. Just you never have to be a special occasion. Just go there and just, hey, I'm just going to, I want to paint. 
they had things you could buy, like little uh, uh, figurines, uh, I, 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 plaster type material that you could paint up, and then they'll bake it. Like you could paint your own mug. I think I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go to one of those. But okay, let's go to this. Uh, I'm kind of talking about birthday parties here. Um, 26 U.S.C. Code 6033 returns by exempt organization, right? So this is 2063. See, what people are misunderstanding, you want to set it up as a 508. You want to set it not a 501, 50C3, okay? Whatever. I'm 26 U.S.C. Code 6033 returns for exempt organization. I'm going to read this whole boring stuff to get to the point. It's my key, the key to everything is to reading everything thoroughly. Okay? It says, I, uh, 75816, I'm going to get to that question because you said because I'm not a national. But let me, let me just read this. Organizations required to follow, except in, as provided in paragraph 3, okay, it says, Except as provided in paragraph three, which is right here, exceptions from filing, right here. Okay. Except every organization exempt from taxation under section 501A shall file an annual return stating specifically the items of gross income, receipts, and disbursements, and such other information for the purpose of carrying out the internal revenue laws as the secretary may by forms of regulations prescribed and shall keep such records. Render under oath such statements, make such other returns, and comply with such rules and regulations as the Secretary may from time to time prescribe. Except that in the discretion of the Secretary, any organization described in Section 401A may be relieved from stating in its return any information which is reported returns filed by the employer which established such organization. Two, being a party to certain reportable transactions, every tax exempt entity described in Section 4965C shall file in such form and manner and at such time as determined by the Secretary a disclosure of A, such entities being a party to any prohibited tax shelter transaction as defined in Section 4965E, and the identity of any other party to such transaction which is known by such tax exempt entity. Exceptions from filing. Paragraph one shall not apply to churches, the integrated auxiliaries, and conventions or associations of churches. Two, any organization other than a private foundation as defined in section 509A described in subparagraph C, the gross receipts of which is in each taxable year are normally not more than $5,000 or the exclusively religious activities of any religious order. You see what I'm saying? So can you tell me in this code where it says anything about a 508? So if you're a church, temple, synagogue, because you go to the definitions, let's see if I can find definitions. Uh... Let's see, do, do, do the information and returns, acres and subject 
Let's see. A lot of times it take a time to find these different. This is well. In if you go read their rules, it says churches also mean temples, synagogues, uh, and I think it's one other one other term. Okay, y'all got it. So if you just simply go down there to the to the IRS.gov, get your church EIN, and um, it's going to have a, um, I'm not even, I'll go into that later. I'll be more specific. I'll be more specific in the class. Let me shut up. Um, But they know you're exempt once you check that box. There's no requirement for filing. When you fill out that form, the 10, I think the 1023, you just made yourself, you put yourself under jurisdiction to be required to file. So you take all of your rights away and give them away. There you go. That's simple. Um, let's go to these questions that's in the chat. Somebody said, even though I am not a national, I can still fight simple traffic tickets using it. Yes, you can. You are a national. You are always a national. You presume that you're not. Just because you didn't do your passport does not make you a national. Doing your passport just puts it on the record that you're a national. They know you're a national. Everything is presumed. They want you to presume that you are a U.S. citizen or a citizen of the United States so that you could check off that box. And now they got you because you signed that under penalty of perjury. Okay? All right, let's see. Let's go to some questions. Okay. Also, what do you do with the injunction once I have pleaded and printed out? Sorry if I'm off top. Injunctions, after you completed and printed out, you got to mail it out to the entities that you're supposed to, mainly the sheriff. Um... Even though I'm not an edible, I answered that. Uh, you could do infinite, infinite. You can get your passport before or after the name change. Doesn't matter. Infinite said, "Do you mind if I hit you up, little guy?" And I feel like I'll be all over the place sometimes. I get really confused about what exactly I need to do. Yeah, get a consultation. Akeem L. Akeemail.com. Consultations are there if you want. I give you all the spiritual advice you need. Oh, oh, he was talking to GJB Thunder. Okay. You fell for the 1023 trap. Yes, you did. But you can also, I think you can rescind that application. Me personally, I just go do it again. That's what I would do. You know, I do it again. You know. Let's see uh form ten twenty three. I mean, if you're reading the instructions, I think the instructions tell y'all about that. Let's see, let's see here. Let's read the instructions. Instructions for 1023. 
All right, who can file this form? How to file? Okay. Meaning that filing assistance. Uh, uh, I'm just reading the form to see the instructions. Whenever you fill in any of these forms, you need to be you need to read the instructions. Okay. All right, let's 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 look for some let's say okay. Um I'll get to your questions in okay, let's look at this one. Instructions. Right, okay. I I'm on a web IRS website. Let's let's look at that. Let's look at this stuff. I mean, there's so much information here, and this is all free. Y'all don't need me to do this. You know, I know sometimes you got too many things to do to, to follow up. So if you fill out this 1023 form, you should have just simply went to the IRS and typed up the instructions like I did. It says right here, how to request recognition of tax exempt status on the 501c3. That's the, this is a, pertaining to the 1023 form right here. Instruction for form 1023. There, right? So I'm, I, Section 501c3 describes organizations organized and operated exclusive for religious, charitable, scientific testing for public safety, literary, or educational purposes, or to foster national, international, amateur sports competition, or for the prevention of cruelty to children and unless an exception applies, an organization must file form 1023 or form 1023 easy if eligible to obtain recognition of position for federal income tax under section 501 C3. You can find information about eligibility to file form 1023 easy, blah, blah, blah. Organizations not required to obtain recognition exemption. The following types of organizations may be considered tax exempt under 501c3 without filing Form 1023 or Form 1023 easy. Churches, you don't have to file. You don't have to sign a contract. It is. Even though these organizations aren't required to seek recognition exemptions, they may choose to file. They may choose to receive a determination letter stating that they are recognized as exempt under Section 501c3 status. Determination letter will also state whether or not must file annual information returns or notices. So these people file it because I want that letter. I want to show I got this. You see? Now let's keep reading. To qualify for exemption, Organize and organization must organize as a corporation, liberal liability, an unincorporated association or a trust is organizing document corporate articles of incorporation, blah blah blah. But y'all do know that a church is also an unincorporated can, can be an unincorporated association too. A church can also be operate out of a trust.
Okay, isn't the church a trust relationship between its members? Right? And if a church does incorporate, then it's unincorporated. It's an unincorporated religious association. So therefore, it qualifies right here. You see? Oh, there it is. Churches including synagogues, temples, and mosques. So I had the hardest time getting people to understand in the membership that, dude, it's this easy. Just go get your EIN, go get your bank account, and you can record it as an unincorporated association down at the county. Why do you want to do that so you can keep the name so no one comes along and steals your name and use it where you are when you're doing your practicing your services? And that's all you need. Create your church bylaws, a.k.a. constitution. I would call it a constitution. You see? Yeah, I got the bylaws. I'll just show you the, the the back of the book, not the front. I don't want to buy biting. We got we got uh eavesdroppers. <laughs> uh consultations are seventy five dollars for thirty minute Zoom. So you get to get on face to face and talk to me. All right. Oh, we got some hands up. Okay, I can't. I'm gonna take these calls, but I I gotta keep it off. Put the, do the headphones and turn it up. Okay. Five zero four seven one four five. Keep it short and sweet. Peace. Greetings, Akeem. How you doing? I'm um, doing good. I had a question. Good. I had a question really quick regarding the I nine form. So I am currently waiting for my name change appointment, my court date, and uh, at the same time currently switching employers, So, uh, which they also participate in E-Verify. So I wanted to, uh, of course, not include the Social Security number that's not in my proper name and also filling out that form, the drop-down menu under country of issuance is not giving me the option that you know I no. need to put, which is on my birth certificate. So it's an option ask, down here that says um, alien on there. What's going to happen when you do it that way? They're going to reject it online, and then you get to talk to a rep to explain what's going on. It, alien authorized to work, right? Or just right. alien authorized to okay. work. So, so and I you put passport that the number. What's going to happen, yeah, yeah. I've done this personally, mm-hmm. they're going to reject it. It's going to say they can't verify it. Then they give you instructions on who to talk to. You talk to that person and let them know that you're a national, American national, but not a citizen of the United States, or whatever you're calling yourself. You know, okay. just let them know, and then they'll just, okay, we got it, and move on, and they'll verify it. Okay, got it. Now, you might, you know, on occasion get one person that might give you a little hard time, but stick to your guns. And what you need to say is this, that form is signed under penalty of perjury, and I'm not about to perjure myself. 
because there are stiff penalties for that. Right. That shuts it down. And then if it goes any further, of course, it's your religious beliefs. But, yeah, what's your next question? Okay. Well, no, that was it. I just wanted to see if there was an affidavit or, I mean, not an affidavit, an explanatory yeah, statement. Online, it's um, not an affidavit. You can submit online when you do that. Um, yeah, I, I meant to say explanatory statement just to explain why I have why I don't want to include my um, social security number or just wait until I can get my social that's in my proper name and also explaining why oh, it's not. Just, just so you don't use socials anymore because of religious objections to it. Okay. Okay. They can't question that. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, and you, you can just draft up your own explanatory statement. And put that on it. A couple of sentences, that's all they need to know. All right? Okay. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Peace. All right. Let's go to the next one. Um, 510358. Peace. Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods. What's going on? What's happening, Akeem? Many blessings to you and your family, my man. Thank you. Blessings to you, too. Thanks, bro. Okay, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. All right. Um, a matter of years back, I, I did the tax webinar uh, with you, which was awesome. Uh-huh. It it kind of stopped the IRS for a while. Now, um, I got my tax burdens about 28000 right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, I got my national. I got everything in place. My uh, declaration, all that stuff went in. It's all sealed. I got it um how about your name change? Uh, no name change. No, I didn't change my name. That's only on my trust on my 9-8. Okay. All right, so no yeah. name change. Go ahead. What's your question? Basically, um, with that tax burden, I did the FOIL for my uh, passport. Uh says on there, of course, sovereign. Um, so I put some those documents together, rebutted it, uh, talking about um, what I did is I used 28 USC 1746-1 and um, put that in there. And basically just told them that about the signature um, was null and void because I did not have full disclosure of the contract that I was coerced into signing uh, at the jobs I was working at that time. So now I came into the newfound knowledge and blah, 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 et cetera signed the affidavit, sent it in. I sent it off about a week ago. But I'm just wondering, is that the, the correct measures, or should I dip into something else to try to shut that down? I shut it always just... down with a simple letter. If you did the IRS webinar, you have that letter, right? It was one of years back. When right. The, uh... that, that, that letter still works like it did when I first created it. <laughs> So okay. I would submit I that, it. and then I'll start using. Uh, you're not an individual. You're not a taxpayer, and I'll just simply. Um, you you questioning how much they're saying you owe. They're never gonna submit that, and then you can also uh, take them in the tax court to challenge it, and all they're gonna do is say they lack jurisdiction. So once they say that, there is no jurisdiction. That means right. that they don't have jurisdiction. How do you come and after me for it? You, right. They yeah, never have. Yeah, yeah. So you, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, 
it's it's going to take you some time to undo that because they they don't like letting loose those claws. But yeah, uh, you Man, always, I, I don't know exactly what your letter you use twenty six USC. I always use the Constitution, and uh, then I point out so, in their own rules that taxes of uh, is a gift on behalf exactly. of the trust. I stated that. Then I stated the, uh, the you know the territories and um, basically. The, the law I don't get into all of that territory stuff. I just get into this. You say I owe you. Show me how you I owe you. That's simple. That was give me that a full accounting of what I owe, and they're never going to answer that. Right. I I stole them, but well, my opening statement was uh, basically that stating that uh, listen, I don't mind paying any kind of burdens that I owe in life. You know, I'm honorable, child of God, the Most High. And uh, then I went through and stated. If you can show me, blah, 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 da, 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 uh, on that affidavit. It's been a couple of weeks since I sent it in, so I'm just kind of waiting. Then I'm just going to send them the same thing. Yeah, you get a letter saying, hey, we got this letter from your third party. They always answer from a third party because when you're sending the letter, you send it as yourself, and they realize that they got a, they got an illegist that they're trying to get the money from. You know? Right. So, right. But, yeah, um, all right, so I'm going to do that don't letter. Respond. You got to respond. I already know how they're going to respond. They're going to tell them, tell you they need more time. I'm sure that 30 to 45 day stuff. Right. Okay. That, that, that's, that's I see where people uh, did their name change and sent it into them, then their tax burden went away. I've seen that twice. Names. Uh, God, I, mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep the parents' name, but... Uh, I did uh, when I did my. No, when I say name change, I mean just changing it so that it's recognized in its proper form, not in all caps. Ah, okay, upper and lower. Ah, okay. Right. Ah. I've seen people where they've it's done a, that twice, and they then they got a letter saying you don't owe the money anymore. One guy got a letter saying came from like sixty grand down to fifty dollars. Oh shit! <laughs> just by the name change Damn. alone, nothing else. How yeah. do I go about that name? I never looked into that one. Uh, I got the name change one or two webinar on my website. All right. I'll take a look at that. And uh, I'll go. All right. Okay. All right. right. Thank you, brother. All right. Let's go to 904386. 904386. All right. Hello. How you doing, Akeem? Peace of the God. Peace of the God. What's going on? All right. A question about this motion for reconsideration on name change. Question about so motion on name change. What's your question? All right. So I sent them um, the motion for reconsideration, and they still sent me back the same copy of the first letter, still not touching the subject matters of whatsoever. So I'm trying okay. to figure out well, what. You're going to have to do an appeal then. Take it on up. Or just file in another county. Okay, so following another county might might be a okay. whole lot better than doing this Okay, I guess I'll go ahead and do that. But just for yeah. future, I would like to learn a little bit about a pill. Could you say something about it, please, and thank you. All right, no problem. The best way to know about appeals is to go to your state's local rule, local court rules. They tell you exactly how to do appeal. That's how I... I know how to do appeal. Actually, my son did an appeal on his own case. 
by researching it himself. He actually got a video where he a webinar about how to do an appeal. Uh, but you don't even have to. I mean, you could get that, but it's there. All of the information I put into webinars is right there, free resources. It just takes time for you to read and understand it. It tells you exactly. Simply put, a notice of appeal, you just say notice of appeal to judgment dated such and such and such. Just a couple of lines and boom, boom. Then you have 30 days to prepare your appeal. Like put your, you know, put your brief in to say why there's an error in that judgment. You can't put new evidence in. You can only refer to the evidence you already have in the case. That sums it up in a nutshell. Somebody said, don't you have to file a copy of injunction you're thinking about with the county clerk? Where? For what? That's old information, and you're listening to somebody else tell you that. The number to call in is uh, 563-999-3615. Yeah. Yeah, you can file it with the county clerk, but it ain't going to do nothing. But sit there and be filed, and you can ask everybody else. Somebody's asking about Miss Glenda's site. Document dot com. I'm typing that wrong. Hang on. I'm gonna give you the link. That's where she got authenticated documents. As soon as it pops up. I'll give you all the link in just a minute. She went on and took my advice about setting up the church. She's got that set up. First thing she got on the website. So um, let's go to the chat. There it is. There's a link to her site right there. Can you bring up jurisdiction? You can bring up jurisdiction and appeal if you mentioned it in your case. That's why you appeal to challenge it. But I would do uh, do the void judgment first before I do an appeals if jurisdiction uh, was a problem. I would say motions. I would go to that court and have them try to avoid it, then move on to the appeal. appeals. Is a long process for some states. And, it's, and it can be very complicated. So you really got to study what you need to do because you got to get court transcripts and some of them want you to put uh, an appendix, you know, depends on the case, the court, the, the jurisdiction. Once again, read, read, read. Uh, Somebody, I gave them the number. I'm trying to wait for them to call in if they're going to call in. Give him a couple of more minutes. I'll answer the query. Oh, uh, no, it's all right. I'm just letting you know that you know you, that 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 information from a while back. Uh, some of that stuff has been updated. Oh, uh, infinite is infinity. Is that the same infinity from before? As I think it is. Five six three nine 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 three six one five. It actually it's it's going across the screen. The number. 
It's right there on the screen, scrolling. Now I got my cash app up. Five six three nine nine nine. It is five six three nine 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 three six one five. And give me a couple of minutes to call in because I'm about to get off and take you to the house. Forty six people on. We had as much as sixty people on. That's good, man. I appreciate it. Make sure y'all put the likes on it. Not like and comment. Like and subscribe. And hit the notification button. Like, 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 like. The more you like, the more people can um, come to the channel to see what's going on. Because we just getting started here at Hindsight. Otep Elohim, Bo Bowmans. Just getting started. Um... Miguel Bay, I gave you her site. You should have it. Man, I dropped heavy information on y'all tonight. You know, when I started this show, I didn't know what I wanted to talk about. I wasn't even like, I was talking about the spiritual thing. And usually I could get into the spiritual, but my, but my, my spirit wasn't revved up, you know. But when I started talking about the law, I was revved up. Sometimes it's like that. I gave y'all some heavy information for y'all to use. I suggest y'all go back and listen to this show again and again. Share with your friends. Share with your family. You know? I guess he's not going to call in. Got three minutes. Curtis Williams says, massive appreciation. Thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, back to what's coming. We're going to have a university, hindsight university. They used to say that before, hindsight university. But it's going to be for real. Where y'all just go in, I'm going to have all the material in one place. Where y'all can just sign up, boom, 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 video after video. Just be stream it just like you do Netflix. That's coming. That is coming. Make it easy. See, the membership is going to change. Right now, I do the classes, such and such. But once I transition and get this going, I'm just put everybody that's already in the membership in that, um, and give them a, 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 a give give them a bonus because they and it showed them appreciation, a free time in there. They enjoy the content. And then they have the option to, you know, stay for for the new content. But that is coming. That's what I was doing all day today, like on the, okay, how do I do this? How do I do that? So I can make it easier for y'all to get this information. And I know, you know what I'm doing for y'all? I'm trailblazing. I'm trailblazing for y'all. Actually, oh, I don't have it on. It's not this one. But... What's the, um, give me a second. I think this is the one. 
Oh, uh, let's see. Let's see. Give me a second. I'm looking. I'm waiting for this person to call in so that I can get that call, but they don't get on here soon. I'm getting off. Let's see. Oh, that is change. Ogun that's uh, Solomon to that who I represent Ogun he is the first Ouni of life after the demise of Odudua a warrior and a powerful spirit of metalwork well as rum and rum making so to you know you got to give him some rum um, trailblazer. So what I'm doing when I'm doing all of these upgrades, guess what happens to the other channels? They try to upgrade right behind me. And that's good. I like that. It keeps me moving forward. They Every time they come behind me, I move forward. Because I already have my path laid out. Like I have it already. The blueprint is already laid out. And then I go, okay, I'm going to do this now. And I'm going to do this now. So the truth be told, they're never going to catch up. I'm already, my my mindset is already eons away from them. Why? Because I like to study. I enjoy finding new information. But not only do I enjoy finding, I enjoy sharing it and upgrading and changing things. Because why? These people change all the time. So we got to change. You know, we got to change when they change. We already got to be thinking ahead. This is like chess. You got to think several moves ahead. You see? Um, It's not letting me call. I'll just catch you next time. All right. No problem, brother. I was trying to give you, get you in there. So... I think I think this was a hell of a show. This is one for the for the history books. So uh, with that being said, roll out with the outro music. And peace. Prosperity and extreme wealth to all.